Well, as we saw in the video, we are in the middle of this series called Summer Wreck, where summer culture meets missional living. And for sure, summer brings a different rhythm to our lives, right? School is out. We've got vacation plans. We've got trips to the boat, trips camping, and great things to do. And we live in a community in an area that is great for that. But I just want to remind us that summer isn't a time that we kind of set our faith aside and we pick it up in three months in the fall. Now, we have a unique opportunity to really live and be the church deployed. I would say we probably have a more unique opportunity in the summer than any other time of the year because we are already planning to be in places that we're not normally are. We're already planning cookouts and fun things with our neighbors. And now we have our opportunity to do those things missionally. You know, we regularly talk about that, you know, as a church, we're not a cruise ship, right? We don't come here and have music the way we want it, kind of get filled up and then just leave for the week and come back in a week or two or maybe a month and then do it all over again. Now, Pete always reminds us that we are the church deployed, that we are much more like an aircraft carrier, right? We come in here on Sundays and we worship together and we hear God's word and we share communion and we get filled up, but we get filled up so that we go back into the community into those places we live and we make a difference in our lives. You know, what will it be like for us this summer as we go on our camping trips and golfing and boating that if we just simply pray before we go and ask God's Spirit to lead us to open up doors, to open up opportunities for us to be on mission. You know, today we're to continue to talk about what that looks like and we're going to talk what it looks like to be deployed as welcomers. Really to kind of create that atmosphere and that just that lifestyle of hospitality. You know, I think, it's, I think it's really easy on a week like this or a weekend like this, a big holiday, that we can be super hospitable. We naturally plan cookouts with family and friends and we're going to go and do all kinds of great, fun things. And we should do those things. But what would it look like if we make this a habit in our lives? What if hospitality, if being welcomers, was something that we did on a regular basis? That we invite our neighbors, invite our friends, and not just the ones we really like, but you know the people that maybe aren't excluded, maybe the neighbors that don't get invited to everything else, the ones we don't know as well. What if we started inviting the people at our work that we don't know as well, you know, the people on our Frank list that we're already praying for, that we start inviting them over for coffee. Maybe we just invite them over to play a game of cornhole or come over for a picnic. We can do those things and just ask God to move in them. And then when it comes time that we want to talk to them about what God is doing in our lives, we want to invite them to church, that's just a natural outplay, that they're used to us inviting them into our homes and into our lives, and they'll be expecting it. It's a great opportunity to really be experts at hospitality. I don't know about you, but I know some people in my lives who have been influential, influential in that and who are really, really good at it. And many of you know these people, You'll recognize Dave and Dina Horn if you've been here a while. If you're newer, you might not. But Dave and Dina have been friends of mine for a long time. They've been part of our church for a long time. And they get hospitality. They are welcomers. Now, Dina's a fantastic cook, and they invite people in their lives. But what I like about it is their intentionality. They do it on purpose. They're not just inviting friends in. They're not just inviting people they've known for a long time. I mean, if you're new in the neighborhood, I guarantee you're going to be invited over for dinner. If you're new to the church and they don't know you, they're going to invite you in. They've probably already been praying for you. They get what it means. And what I love about spending time with Dave and Dina is when you spend time with them, it is all about you. 
they get what it means to be a welcomer and gets to be hospital. They will ask you questions. They will make you feel like you are the most important person. And they are really good at it, but they have worked really, really hard at it as well. You know, it's something that I think we can all get better at, that we can all do in our lives. We can all become welcomers and we can all become people that are hospitable and invite people into our lives and change that. You know, uh, Webster defines hospitality like this, the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. You know, when I looked at this, it really jumped out of me that it's visitors and strangers that we show hospitality to. Guests to our friends, our family, we should do that. But we should also be looking beyond that. We should be looking to the visitors. We should be looking to strangers. We should be looking to those around us and showing hospitality. We should make this a regular part of our lives. We're inviting them into our, over to our house, over for coffee. You know, and I think we would add this to the definition today, that we're welcoming people on purpose for a people, for a purpose. That we're not just inviting people, we're not just randomly doing that, but we have our, what we call our frank list, right? Our friends, our relatives, our neighbors, our acquaintances, our friends that we've been praying for, those people that may have disengaged from church or maybe have been, never been a part of God's family. And we've been praying for them and now we have opportunities to intentionally invite them into our lives, to have conversations, to develop relationships, and not that there's this weird pressure that we invite them over and we go, oh man, now I gotta figure out how to bring up church and I gotta figure out how to talk about Jesus in the midst of this, but we just have these natural conversations. We get to know them more. We get to know what their lives are like, what's going on with them. We love them for who they are. We have a purpose in inviting them. And then when the time is right, when those stories open up and we can tell them about our own experience with what God's done in our life, when we can invite them to be part of the church family, that it's a natural thing that we have already done. I know some of you are really great at that. Some of you are going, man, I'm an introvert. I can't do that. I don't have the right house. I'm not a very good cook. You know, I can be honest to myself. I, I can be not as good at this as like my wife or she is very naturally good at it. I can often start thinking about myself too much, right? I can think about, man, my lawn isn't really good. I'm not a good cook. I don't know what they're gonna think about me. I'm kind of awkward in conversation. And I start all thinking about all the ways it's gonna affect me and I stop thinking about my friends and I stop thinking about my neighbors. I start thinking about how I can be hospitable and how I can reach out to others. You know, I think that's a key when we're learning to really grow in our hospitality. It's just really growing to start thinking about other people first, to not worry about how good my yard is, if I've got the right food, if the house is clean, to really just step in and do these things. I've got a little video this morning that I just want to show you that kind of gives us an idea of what selflessness looks like.
yeah, wow. I remember as I watched that, I'm going, I don't know that I could do that. And I'm a pretty competitive person. And one of the things like I've learned in sports is you don't give anybody anything, right? That's the rough job. If he's going to call it out, then it's out. I'm not saying anything. But he has a different perspective. He's not just thinking about himself. I mean, he probably has a lot of money on the line if he wins this match. But he's going, you know what? I didn't earn that point. That wasn't mine. He's thinking about the other person. Man, if we can get that perspective, if we can start thinking about other people, if we can start thinking about what's going on in their lives, we start thinking not about just how it's going to affect me, but how it might affect their life, how it might affect their life for eternity if we start interacting with them, if they start getting to know us, if they start forming a relationship with Jesus down the road. Man, those are the things that can happen just out of simple acts of hospitality. Well, this morning, I want to take this kind of 30,000-foot view of this from Scripture. And we're going to look at the book of Acts. And the book of Acts was, was written by Luke. And it's this great letter. And we see how the early church started with this little band of Christ followers and just grew and grew and blossomed. You know, and Steve and I were talking about this this week, but there's this subtle kind of theme that goes through this letter of how we see the role of hospitality in being welcomers really played a part in the gospel spreading. We're going to look at three passages just kind of really quickly. We're going to begin right here. It said, one of, those, uh, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia. She was listening to Paul, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Tyria, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So she is hearing about Jesus from Paul. She's making a decision. And she is responding, having her life transformed. Remember, Pete talked about this a couple weeks ago with this word household. He said it's oikos, which means not just her immediate family, but really her sphere of influence. So this was probably many people being baptized. And her immediate response to transformation was hospitality. She invited Paul into her home. She said, come and stay. She persuaded us. She was insistent on extending hospitality. It was an immediate outplay of how this relationship she had with Jesus. We see this continue on. This is uh, Paul and Silas were in jail and uh, the jailer is asking them, he says, what do I need to do to be saved? And he said that. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into, this house, into his house and set a meal before them. And this is a jailer. This goes from an adversarial relationship to understanding what it means to have a relationship with Christ or at least beginning of that and going, I need to respond. He washes his wounds. He invites them into this house and goes the next step and shares a meal with them. And remember, we were talking about in communion that having a meal is a big deal. It's a sign of relationship. And I pictured this happening. This is a little bit of just me picturing what happened. But I think this happened over and over and over again. That Lydia and this jailer, they invited their friends. They invited family. They invited people they didn't know. They said, come and eat with us. Let me tell you what's going on in our lives. Let me tell you about this great thing that's happening. 
And why I believe this is happening is because we see the church, this is in Philippi, we see the church in Philippi grow. We see Paul writing a letter later on to encourage this young, growing church. The church was growing and things were happening because they were sharing meals together. And then finally, we see this later on. It said, Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus Eustace, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord and many of the Corinthians who had heard of him believed and were baptized. Again, we see Paul going to the synagogue, but yet then he goes next door to the house, right? Is that not a picture of the church deployed, right? He comes to church, but then he goes over to their house and shares the good news with them and lives are changed. Man, we come to church, we get fueled up, and then we go and we invite people into our homes. Sounds a little bit like groups, doesn't it? Do you wonder why we want you guys to be in groups and invite people into groups into your lives? Because, man, it makes a difference in people's lives. And not just your church friends, but your neighbors too. We think the church will grow when that happens. People believed and they were baptized and the church grew and was changed. You see, the point of this is that one of the key reasons the early church grew and the gospel was spreading was because they were coming together and welcoming on purpose and for a purpose. This is something that we can all do. We can all invite those around us into our lives. We can be intentional about who we're inviting in and sharing hospitality with. And we can do it for a purpose and watch God move in the midst of this. It is an amazing thing. Man, I love to see how this plays out in the church. And I've seen it happen with a friend of mine. In fact, she posted this on Facebook, so we stole it and then we shared a little bit of her story. But I'm just going to read this to you. This is Jill Brower, who goes to our church. She says, I've been so filled up by so many people at All Shores. I've been encouraged. I've been welcomed. I've been guided and had the pieces of my life put back together. I found my place and my voice and I've been pouring out what has been poured into me. People I didn't know, I now do. They accept me. I'm befriending them. People have been there for me, not just in a reactionary reactionary way, but initiating. Now, I know Jill personally, so I know how true this is. I've seen her respond to the love she's received from people, and she started a walking group because she just wants to invite other people in and have conversation. She serves at church. She pours out what's been poured into her, and we can all do this. Now, I just want you to hear this a little bit from her in her own words. I am Jill Brower, and I have been coming to All Shores, let's see, officially since November of this past year at the Coopersville campus. The last year and a half, um, my world completely flipped. In October of last year, I lost my job, and All Shores completely, and when I say All Shores, I mean the whole thing completely came around me. I was there just going, my life fell apart, what do I do? And at the time, it was already stressful because um, we had a family situation going on. But anyone that came around was like, hey, what can we do? Hey, how can we help you? You know, how can we pray for you? And I'm like going, I didn't have to reach out. They came to me. And that's been huge. You know, and Pete said it before too, church isn't the building, church is the people. It's how we outreach. If you're not able to be part of those groups and you're not able to be part of those Bible studies and you're not able to be 
part of even those get-togethers and you're on the outside not having community is just it's isolating so even hearing about groups that wanted to be about like cooking or groups of you know guys getting together for burgers I think I heard it doesn't have to be just Sunday mornings that's not what church is but it's the relationships and it's that bonding that's one of the neatest parts the community that has been around me here at All Shores from beginning going forward has been absolutely life-changing. So I, I listened to Jill's story and I think, wow, what would it look like if every person who stepped through the doors of our church campuses shared a testimony like that. Amen. I mean, wouldn't that be incredible to be in a place where we provide an opportunity for, for people to be welcomed? Now, your eyes aren't deceiving you. Dave is not just tripled. Uh, <laughs> there are three people up here, so if you're a little worried about that. Uh, we actually thought about this in this unique environment where we've got all three campuses together to bring both of our campus pastors uh, and just have them speak into this a little bit more together. So I'm Pastor Steve. I'm the executive pastor here at All Shores. And I just want to ask them a couple of questions about this whole idea of what it means to be welcoming. You recognize that Christianity is a welcoming, dependent faith, right? Like we can't get very far if we don't exhibit this habit. So our challenge to you is not to just walk out today and say, oh, great, I've got to be nicer to people. It's going to be to take a little bit further step than that. And so I would love to ask the two of them, uh, as our Muskegon and Coopersville campus pastors, uh, why is this so important, not only to you, but to us as a church? Yeah, you know, when you asked me that, I thought about a couple of things. One, you know, we're, we're entering now this post-COVID season, and we're seeing people kind of re-engaging in their faith. Maybe they have been haven't been in church in a long time. Maybe they've never been to church, but they've been through some tough times, and now they're going, I need to figure this thing out. And because you guys are doing a great job inviting people, we see new people in our campuses all the time. So it means that we have to be super welcoming. You know, statistics tell us that someone makes up their mind if they're going to come back to church or not in the first 10 minutes. That 10 minutes starts when they pull in the parking lot, right? Not when they walk through the doors here. So they, they could have a great experience, right? They could have a great worship great message, but if they didn't, weren't welcome, if they didn't feel like they belong here, they may have already closed the door of coming back. That's why we have ushers. That's why we have greeters. But it really goes so far beyond that. It means that we have to have this culture where we welcome people in. And you know what? That means we have to take some risks because we look around and we go, man, I don't know everybody here. But I love what Evan says. He says, you know what? If you don't know them, they're new to you. You know, take the risk. Say hi. Welcome them here. And on the other side of that, that means we have to be gracious. When you've been here for 20 years and someone says, hey, I don't recognize you, you say, hey, thanks, great to meet you. We don't chastise them and say, I've been here for 20 years. How come you didn't know it, right? So that's just my little caveat warning. I love that, Dave. It's, it rings so true, and I've been guilty of you that. You sound like you speak myself. from experience. <laughs> <laughs> I've made the mistake. <laughs> Well, I think if I, if I had something to add to that, when I think of why hospitality, and this is so important, is I just think as, as a person, 
this matters to me. This is what I want others to be to me. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, this is, this is what we want others to be. We want them to be welcoming to us. I think about my favorite restaurants, my favorite businesses, my favorite hotels to stay at are places that make me feel welcome, that, that are thinking about me, as you said, Dave, and, and not just thinking of themselves. And I think if, if we also take the perspective of those on our Frank list and the people that we're trying to bless, it's what they want of us. It's what they hope that we will be as people who are following after Christ. Yeah. And that's so good, EJ, because you've never had somebody come up to you before that's really nice and say, you know, that's overrated. If you could just not be as nice, we'd appreciate it. Um, so let me ask you guys, when you think about this, you know, we're really wanting to challenge, I, I think, our whole church as we think about this idea of being deployed as welcome, welcomers to be in a place of how do I practically live this out? Like, it's not just a nice word. That's a piece of it. But when I think about the challenge that we want to lay before all of us today, uh, how would you answer that question? How would you challenge us as a congregation around what it means to be deployed as welcomers? Yeah, we want this to be really practical. And I think... Uh, if, if I were to take a guess, I would guess that most of us already know what a next step for us could be. We, we know the neighbor that we haven't met yet, or the coworker that maybe we tend to ignore more than others, um, or, or maybe even the family member that we haven't talked to in a while. Um, we, we tend to know it, and it's stepping past that point of fear, whatever is causing that fear to be, and actually doing it. But if for some reason you're really not sure, you, you, you really think you do a, a great job of this, and some of you definitely do, and so you just need to, to keep up what you already do and, and being an example to others. But for some of us, this is a real struggle. For some of us that, that don't want to kind of get out of our comfort zone, um, I'll just share from a, a personal side of things with our neighbors. We have really had to be intentional uh, to find ways to get to meet them, to, to actually say hi when they're outside, you know, doing their yard or talking over the fence. Uh, in fact, we even just took the opportunity to, to kind of expand on our front porch so we could spend more time in the front yard getting to know people. And I think I would just challenge you in the same way, uh, as Dave even already mentioned, if there's someone that you don't know, they're new to you, man, step out and be that, that kind face, that warm welcome, that encouraging person in their atmosphere. And bring a smile with you wherever you go. It makes such a difference when we carry a, this attitude of welcoming uh, into the places that we are day in and day out. Yeah, that's, that's great, EJ. Yeah, I'm going to say just two quick things. One, on the church side of it, I just want to challenge everybody to be a welcomer. You know, whether you're on the hospitality team or greeter or not, man, just when somebody sits down next to you and you see someone in the lobby, just take that opportunity to say hi, to welcome them in. It doesn't matter if they've been here their first time or they've been here for 20 years. Just, just kind of do that. And the next one is just, I call it the Nike approach when your neighborhood, uh, and that's just do it. Just, you know, maybe in the next two weeks, Think of someone that you haven't connected with and invite them over for coffee, for being in the driveway. Man, my wife is fantastic at this. She's so good about not having everything perfect. She'll invite a bunch of the neighborhood ladies over and just text them and going, hey, we're going to meet in the driveway. We're going to have coffee. Bring whatever you want. We're going to bring your bag chair. We're going to sit and talk. And they, you know, they always have a great time and learn more about each other. But it doesn't happen unless somebody takes the initiative to start inviting. 
And I would just tell you, don't underestimate this topic that we're talking about today. You know, this idea of welcoming, some of you may sit back and say, man, it's kind of, it's kind of a light topic. Like, we're not talking about deep theological truths. Can I just tell you today, and this is an honest response to you, that one of the individuals that has had the greatest impact in my life, and I would tell you, I've run, in, I've run into a lot of people, besides Pete Yoshanis, is an individual <laughs> that was one of the most caring, hospitable, welcoming person I have ever met. He wasn't the CEO of a corporation. He wasn't in a place where he was someone who had all this money that he was wanting to give me, which would have been nice. He wasn't a person who was in a place where he had all of this wisdom to pass on. He was simply the most welcoming, engaging, hospitable person. And I will tell you, he changed my life because of it. So don't underestimate this topic. Now, some of you, real quickly, as we kind of close our time, heard about a story, uh, and maybe some of you were even near it. Uh, Mackinac Island, about six weeks ago, kind of the end of May, had a fire breakout. And what you may not know about is there is an incredible story of hospitality that came out of that situation. And so we put it kind of to words or some pictures. Listen to this story and let it impact you in a very powerful way and how we as a church should be even more hospitable than the Mackinac Island uh, and the people who work on Mackinac Island. So let's take a listen. On Sunday, May 30th, 2021, this photo was taken on Mackinac Island by Cody Langhorn. Featured in the photo, besides the fire, are newlyweds Jake and Elizabeth. Like so many young couples, they decided to have their wedding on Mackinac Island and had in fact been married earlier in the day at St. Anne's Church. At the reception in the gardens behind the yacht club, Elizabeth's dad had just started his father the bride speech when many of the guests started to notice smoke coming from the residence next door. Everything stopped. The house was ablaze and the fire department was arriving and the magical day was suddenly interrupted just as it had been canceled by COVID a year earlier. The guests were evacuated and nobody really knew what would happen next. That's when Jake and Elizabeth decided to head back to St. Anne's to pray and reflect. While walking to the church, unbeknownst to them, the photo was taken, a photo of two newlyweds whose perfect day was now in shambles. But that's not where the story ends. As the reception was being evacuated, Brandon Sheldon, general manager of the Mission Point Resort was walking by. Brandon, recognizing what was happening, picked up his phone, called his bosses, and put a plan into action. The staff at Mission Point mobilized their convention personnel and many others, including CEO Mark Ware and his sister, VP of Sales and Marketing, Liz Ware, within minutes, a plan had come together. The wedding was now being moved to Mission Point Resort. Mark Ware would serve food, and many others would now give their time and resources to exhibit what true hospitality looks like. Other properties quickly engaged to help out. The kitchen staff from the Yacht Club was able to use the Island House Hotel kitchen to finish the food. The Pink Pony sent dishes and other needed supplies. And within 30 minutes, the wedding reception was back on. Because of the late start, Chris Shepler, wanting to also help out, had one of his boats make a special run to return guests to the mainland. It all came together in a matter of minutes. And that's the Mackinac Island way, providing hospitality 
at its finest, coming together urgently, unselfishly, and purposefully to make a difference and care for others. Shouldn't the church be exhibiting that even in greater ways? Will you today take up the challenge to connect with people on purpose and for a purpose?